This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it <clears throat> a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com slash system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system. Have you ever wondered if the departed could seek justice from beyond the grave? Could a relentless spirit return to reveal the truth of what really happened? In today's video, I've got an unbelievable yet true story for you that defies belief and challenges the boundaries of life and death. Picture this. It's January 23rd, 1897 in the peaceful town of Greenbrier County, West Virginia. Population of around 15,000 residents at the time with a picturesque landscape where lush forests and winding rivers define the surroundings. A 21-year-old woman named Zona Heaster Shoe takes her last breath in a peculiar situation. But the intrigue doesn't stop there. What unfolds is a story of love turned sinister and a paranormal twist that will send shivers down your spine. At first glance, Zona's death was attributed to natural causes, but later on her mother, Mary Jane Heaster, was convinced that a more sinister face was at play. For weeks, Mary Jane prayed, hoping for a communication from Zona beyond the veil to unveil the truth, hoping that Zona would somehow communicate from the other side and reveal the true cause of her demise. Can a departed soul truly return to convey a message? How could Zona's spirit reach out from the other side and what dark secrets might it reveal about her untimely end? Join us on a journey back in time to 1897 as we uncover the shocking story that blurs the lines between the living and the departed. This is not just a story, it's a perplexing enigma that lingers in the annals of the unexplained. But before we jump into the case, I do have to say that today's case involves some paranormal aspects, which is the type of video that's not typically on my channel. However, it is a true story and one that went to trial and does involve the paranormal. But if you do want to hear about the case anyway, then just take it for what it is, a shocking tale of mystery that continues to baffle and astound. In the late 19th century, nestled in the serene landscapes of the Greenbrier County, West Virginia, lived a woman who would become the central character of this story, Zona Heaster Shoe, often referred to as Greenbrier Ghost. Greenbrier County, with its vast expanses of untouched wilderness, offered a tranquil yet somewhat isolated setting for its inhabitants. It was in this idyllic, small-town environment that Zona's life would unfold. Zona wasn't a stranger to life's challenges. She was the middle child in a family of four brothers, and her early years were marked by the ordinary trials and tribulations of rural life. Yet beneath the surface of this seemingly ordinary existence lay intriguing mysteries that would later shock you. Whispers and rumors circulated about Zona's past, particularly concerning an alleged illegitimate child she had with a man named George Woldridge. These unverified stories added an air of mystique to her history. To fully grasp all the shocking events that followed, we must rewind the clock and set the stage for a captivating story that would challenge the boundaries of belief. Our story begins in October 1896 when Zona crossed paths with a man named Erasmus Shue, also known as Edward. 
He was a 37-year-old blacksmith with an intriguing aura about him. Their love story unfolded swiftly, leading them to decide to get married just a month later in November at the Old Methodist Church in Livesay Mill. However, not everyone was happy with their whirlwind romance, especially Zona's mother. The newlyweds chose to start their life together in a small two-story house. Interestingly, this house once belonged to a man named William G. Livesay, one of the town's founding figures, known for his entrepreneurial spirit and contributions to the early development of the community. It seemed like it was a start of a beautiful new chapter in Zona and Edward's lives. But as they settled into married life, something unexpected happened. In early January of 1897, Zona fell seriously ill, leaving her family concerned. Her illness was a puzzle and there were even whispers of possible pregnancy. To care for her, they brought in Dr. George Knapp, hoping for answers and a path to recovery. However, fate had other plans. Only three months after their joyous wedding, tragedy struck. At 10 a.m., on January 23rd, 1897, a local boy named Anderson Jones, sent by Zona's husband, Edward, found something truly shocking at their home. Zona lay lifeless at the bottom of the stairs in a way that defied explanation. Her legs were together, one arm at her side, the other across her chest, and her head was tilted to the side. It was a shocking scene that left the entire community asking what happened and why. And that's where our tale takes an extraordinary turn, leading us deeper into the heart of this riddle. News of Zona's passing spread like wildfire, and soon Dr. George Knapp arrived at the Shoes' home, but inside he discovered some unsettling details that added further to the story. Zona had been moved to her bedroom, washed and dressed, which was a common practice at the time, with community women taking care of the deceased. But what really gave everyone an eerie feeling was Edward's behavior. He wept uncontrollably, holding Zona's head as if protecting a dark secret. He even insisted that the doctor shouldn't examine her further, raising suspicion. Now, here's where it gets even stranger. Zona is wearing her wedding gown with a high stiff collar around her neck and a large veil tied under her chin. Witnesses observed that her head and neck appeared to be unsettling, almost as if it had been broken, swaying from side to side without any apparent support. Dr. Knapp's initial diagnosis was called everlasting faint, with heart failure as the cause. However, it would soon take a bizarre turn, changing instead to complications from pregnancy, despite there being no evidence of Zona being pregnant at the time. All these clues fit together in a pretty creepy way, and that leaves us with a big spooky question. What actually happened to Zona Heaster-Shoe on that eerie January day? So after Zona's passing, her body was taken to her parents' house for a wake and a funeral. It was a tradition back then, and people gathered to pay their respects. While Zona was transported from the house and put in the carriage, witnesses saw her head move awkwardly, almost as if it had been broken. Now, Edward, Zona's husband, started acting strangely. He couldn't bear to be away from her casket. He placed a pillow on one side of her face to keep her comfortable and a folded sheet on the other side for the same reason. He even covered her head with a scarf, even though it didn't match her burial dress. When questioned, Edward insisted it was her favorite scarf and that she would have wanted to be buried with it. During the funeral, some observant folks noticed that Edward's behavior was more than just grief. 
He seemed to be pacing around, full of energy at times, which didn't quite fit with the sadness of the occasion. Zona found her final resting place on January 24, 1897, in the Seoul Chapel Methodist Cemetery, where her grave remained unmarked for over eight decades. It wasn't until 1979 that the congregation of the church finally put up a marker, bringing some recognition to her and her tragic story. Now, here is where things take even a bigger and shocking turn. After the funeral, Zona's mom, Mary Jane, tried to give Edward the sheet he had placed in the casket, but he refused to take it. So Mary Jane decided to wash it herself. As she was washing the sheet, something terrifying happened. The water seemed to turn red, then pink, but the stain didn't go away. Mary Jane couldn't ignore strange blood stains on the sheet, but was it a vision she had? She believed that they were a sign that something really bad happened to her daughter, Zona. These astonishing clues and unsettling events further deepen the story. Mary Jane couldn't shake the feeling that something was terribly wrong with her daughter's death. She prayed day and night, hoping for a sign, a message, anything to reveal the truth about Zona's passing. One night after Zona had been laid to rest, her mother, Mrs. Mary Heaster, was in her room praying. Suddenly, she heard strange rustling sounds like the swishing of clothes. Startled, she turned to see what she thought was a ghostly figure standing before her. It was Zona's spirit. Although Zona's lips seemed to be moving as if she wanted to speak, the apparition soon vanished, leaving her mother in awe. Mrs. Heaster had no doubt that it was her daughter's ghost who had appeared before her. Overwhelmed with grief and seeking answers about Zona's death, she continued to pray, hoping for more contact. To her amazement, Zona's ghost returned not just once, but four times. Each visit was eerie and unsettling. During these ghostly encounters, Zona revealed a chilling tale. She described how her husband, Erasmus, also known as Edward Shue, had been cruel to her. One evening, in a fit of rage over the absence of meat for dinner, Edward had violently attacked her. He had squeezed her neck so forcefully that it had broken her windpipe and torn ligaments. In a macabre gesture, Zona even demonstrated how her head could turn completely around, confirming that her neck had indeed been broken. Mary Jane believed her daughter's ghostly revelations. She was convinced that Zona hadn't died of natural causes, but had been murdered instead. She shared these shocking encounters with her neighbors and the story quickly spread throughout the neighborhood. Mrs. Heaster was known for her honesty and credibility, which lent weight to her account. During the third and fourth visits from Zona's ghostly presence, the deceased daughter provided her mother with all the gruesome details of her murder. She even guided her mother to a specific location near a rocky fence. The revelations from Zona's ghost played a crucial role in the subsequent trial of Erasmus, a.k.a. Edward Shue. The jury wasted no time in finding him guilty, and Judge McWhorter sentenced him to life imprisonment. However, the verdict didn't sit well with some in Greenbrier County, and a furious mob gathered, intent on taking matters into their own hands. Only the intervention of Sheriff Hill Nickel brandishing a gun prevented a lynching from occurring. Zona's ghostly communication with her mother had unveiled a horrifying truth. She and Edward had quarreled about dinner on that fateful night with no meat on the table, only butter, apple butter, jelly, and preserves. In a fit of rage, Edward had violently twisted Zona's neck, leading to her untimely death 
Although the autopsy found no traces of poison, it did confirm her broken neck, strengthening suspicions surrounding Edward, especially given his history of previous wives' mysterious deaths. Some still doubted Mary Jane's ghostly encounters, thinking they were just stories. But what's really strange is that the things Zona's spirit revealed matched the results of the autopsy, confirming how Zona had truly died. Mary Jane's revelation about her daughter's spirit encounters was shared with several people. Her brother-in-law, Johnson Heaster, found her story intriguing and decided to approach Edward. Their conversation only deepened suspicion. Johnson, along with Mary Jane, spoke to witnesses who had been present when Zona's body was discovered. Together, they took their concerns to the prosecutor, John Alfred Preston, in Lewisburg. Preston and his deputies decided to re-interview several individuals who claimed to have seen bruising on Zona's neck. Dr. Knapp, who had attended to Zona earlier, was also questioned again. He admitted that he had not conducted a thorough examination of the body due to Edward's apparent grief. This was deemed sufficient justification for exhuming Zona's body, conducting an autopsy, and forming an inquest jury. When Preston and Dr. Knapp informed Edward of their plans for an autopsy, he pretended but did not refuse to attend. He voiced, I don't know what is the name of God they are taking her up for. They are not going to find anything. However, he also expressed his knowledge that he might be arrested, confident that they wouldn't be able to prove his guilt. It's important to note that exhumations were nearly unheard of at this time. But on February 22, 1897, Zona's body was examined in a local one-room schoolhouse. A report was issued on March 9th. The autopsy lasted three hours, and due to the cold temperatures, her body was in near-perfect state of preservation. A jury of five men, including Edward and Anderson Jones, the boy who found the body observed the proceedings. Edward spent the entire autopsy whittling nervously. Standard autopsy procedures were followed, including checking the stomach for poison and inspecting vital organs of the chest and abdomen. When the examination moved closer to Zona's head, Edward grew increasingly nervous, visibly shaken. Dr. Knapp was working around Mrs. Shue's head and Anderson Jones noticed Edward's anxiety. He remarked, Dr. Knapp was working around Mrs. Shue's head. I could see Shue was getting more nervous. His whittling was not so good. It was during the examination that Zona's true cause of death was discovered, a broken neck. Dr. Knapp whispered this revelation to Mr. Preston, and then he turned to Edward and uttered, Well, Shoe, we have found your wife's neck has been broken. Edward's head dropped, despair crossing his face as he whispered, They cannot prove that I did it. The autopsy determined that Zona's neck had been broken and her windpipe crushed. A report published on March 9, 1897 stated, The discovery was added that the neck was broken and the windpipe mashed. On the throat were the marks of fingers indicating that she had been choked. The neck was dislocated between the first and second vertebrae. The ligaments were torn and ruptured. The windpipe had been crushed at a point in front of the neck. The examining doctor noted, a healthy person doesn't just drop dead of a heart attack or an everlasting faint. Edward was subsequently arrested and charged with the murder of his wife. While the evidence was largely circumstantial, he was indicted by a grand jury and formally arraigned for murder, entering a plea of not guilty. Erasmus Edward Stibling Troutshoe was a man of average build with a neatly trimmed beard and a pleasant demeanor. 
Despite his seemingly ordinary appearances, Edward had a troubled past. He had a prior criminal record which led to his imprisonment. His checkered history included run-ins with the law, including accusations of theft and horse stealing. Edward had been married twice before and the situation surrounding his second wife's death had raised significant concerns. Her passing was initially attributed to pregnancy-related illness, but now with Zona's case unfolding, suspicions about his past grew. In jail, Edward maintained an outwardly optimistic attitude, often expressing confidence in his upcoming trial. However, his behavior took a peculiar turn. He became obsessed with the idea of inventing a device to communicate with the spirit world, an unconventional ambition for a man facing his own murder trial. Edward Shue's trial began on June 22nd, 1897, and it lasted for several days. He was represented by a legal team consisting of Dr. William Rucker and James P.D. Gardner, who faced the challenging task of defending a man accused of murdering his wife under eerie circumstances. Meanwhile, the prosecution built its case heavily on witness testimony. Dr. Knapp, who had conducted the autopsy on Zona, testified to the grim details of her broken neck and crushed windpipe. Anderson Jones, who was the boy who discovered Zona's lifeless body and married Jane Heaster, Zona's mother, provided crucial statements. The most unusual challenge during the trial was Mary Jane's insistence on her ghostly encounters with Zona's spirit, revealing the alleged details of her murder. The ghostly testimony added an element of the supernatural to the proceedings, further perplexing the court. Despite the strong evidence against him, Erasmus Edward Shue took the stand in his own defense. However, his testimony failed to convince the jury and he struggled to provide a plausible explanation for Zona's death. Ultimately, the trial's key moments included Mary Jane Heaster's unwavering testimony and Edward Shue's questionable defense, leading to a verdict that would seal his fate. As the trial of Edward Shue continued, Mary Jane took the witness stand and her testimony sent shivers through the courtroom. She spoke of a series of extraordinary encounters with her deceased daughter that defied explanation. Mary Jane's voice trembled with emotion as she began her account. They were not dreams, she declared firmly. They were visions as real as you and me. She described the first vision in which Zona appeared as a radiant light that gradually faded away. The second encounter was even more unsettling. Zona took on a human form and the room grew unnaturally cold. During the visitation, Zona disclosed a horrifying truth, the abuse she had suffered at the hands of her husband, Edward Shue. The defense attorney questioned the validity of these experiences, suggesting they might be hallucinations or nightmares. But Mary Jane was resolute. No, sir, she asserted with unwavering conviction. These were not figments of my imagination. I prayed for the truth and my daughter came to me. She revealed that it was not a feint that claimed her life, but murder. And she continued saying, I have no doubt that these visions were real. Zona even showed me her broken neck, sir. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. 
Mary Jane's unshakable belief in the authenticity of her visions left a profound impact on the courtroom. Her testimony added yet another layer of suspense to this shocking story, making it more bewildering. Now, as the trial rolled on, it was time for the arguments, but remember, there were no direct witnesses to the crime, so the lawyers had to rely on clues and circumstantial evidence to make their points. Doctors like Dr. Knapp took the stand to say that Zona didn't take her own life, rather she was killed. Their expert opinions, along with Mary Jane's visions, painted a clear picture of murder. The evidence against Edward was strong. There were marks on Zona's neck that suggested someone had strangled her. Her broken neck and crushed windpipe were not something that happened naturally. The prosecution argued that a healthy person doesn't just drop dead without good reason. Edward himself got up to speak. He insisted he was innocent, telling his side of the story. He claimed he was a grieving husband who lost his wife. The courtroom was tense. In a case like this, where there were no witnesses, the jury had a tough job ahead. They had to decide if the clues and evidence were enough to prove Edward was guilty or if there was a reasonable doubt in his favor. On July 11th, the jury finally made their decision. Erasmus Shue was found guilty of murder. It was a quick decision and Mary Jane's haunting testimony seemed heavily on their minds. But here's the thing. The jury recommended life imprisonment instead of the death penalty. Maybe they had some sympathy for Edward or perhaps they believed that a life behind bars was punishment enough. The motion for a new trial was withdrawn and the sentencing was looming. Edward Shue was going to spend the rest of his life paying for his crime, locked away from the world that had once known him as a husband, knowing him now as a murderer. The public's reaction to the verdict was largely one of approval. Given the circumstantial evidence presented during the trial and Edward Shue's questionable behavior, many believed that justice had been served. However, not everyone was content with the life sentence. A lynch mob began to form, consisting of 15 to 30 men who were determined to take matters into their own hands and hang Edward Shue. The situation grew tense, but fortunately, the mob disbanded without carrying out their deadly plan. Some of its organizers even faced legal consequences for their actions. It was a reminder that even in the pursuit of what they believed to be justice, the rule of law must prevail. Following his conviction, Erasmus, a.k.a. Edward Shue, his fate took a grim turn. He was sentenced to life in prison and incarcerated at the West Virginia State Penitentiary in Moundsville. However, his time behind bars was short-lived. On March 13, 1900, just three years into his life sentence, Edward succumbed to an unknown epidemic. He was laid to rest in an unmarked grave in a local cemetery where his remains would rest in obscurity. Unfortunately, the legacy of the trial faced a tragic setback. Many trial details and court records were lost in a later fire, leaving only the sensational testimony as part of its lasting legacy. Mary Jane Heaster, Zona's mother, held fast to her beliefs until her passing in September 1919. She never wavered in her conviction that her daughter's apparition had visited her, bringing a clear message from beyond the grave. Her unwavering faith in the truth of that message remained with her until the end, a testament to a mother's enduring love and the enduring mysteries of the Zona Shoe case. In the heart of West Virginia, a state historical marker stands as a shocking reminder of a unique and eerie tale. The marker nestled near the cemetery where Zona Shoe rests pays homage to the bizarre circumstances surrounding the untimely demise. As you read the inscription on the marker, a profound sense of intrigue and uncertainty takes hold, reminding us that history often conceals perplexing secrets that can leave even the most seasoned minds in contemplation. 
Think of Zona Shu's story like a tricky puzzle where it's tough to tell the living from the departed at that time. In a world where cold, hard evidence often reigns supreme, this case reminds us that the supernatural can creep into the most unexpected corners of our lives. It's a story that keeps us on the edge of our seats, a vivid reminder that the unexplained still holds sway over our imaginations. The conviction and unwavering belief of Mary Jane Heaster, coupled with the spectral testimony of her daughter, etched the story into the annals of the inexplicable. The story reminds us that history has many mysteries that can still give us the creeps, even after a long time. There's a haunting story in the early 1900s of a woman who had a propensity to kill her husbands, among others, including her brother-in-law and her own daughter. She got away with it for several years until she didn't. She was known as the first female serial killer in Idaho, kind of like the modern day Lori Daybell. She used paper to kill her victims. Check it out right here. Thanks for joining us on It's a Crime. Stay tuned for more thrilling cases and remember to subscribe and hit the bell so you'd never miss an update. See you in the next video. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich, but you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.